and welcome in. Yes, it is the season. TSL presented by Parks Motor Sales. Good evening. Happy Monday. Hope everyone had a great weekend. JP Plant and joined by an old friend, Mr. Clayton Harris Jr. is on with us. Wes should be joining us shortly. Clayton, how you doing, my friend? Doing well, JP. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm, I, I can't believe, uh, we are what four days away from Christmas. Uh, it is this week we had, uh, we have a bowl game going on right now. It's about over. Um, but, um, uh, tis the season, what's right? The score, what, what, what's the score of that game, by the way? Uh, it is a blowout. They are in a, uh, full page graphic right now. Talking actually about Sarah Fuller, the Vandy kicker. She is uh, transferring to North Texas apparently, but the score app state. Def- yeah, App State up Definitely on North. Definitely must be a blowout. Yeah, App State up on North Texas, fifty-six to twenty-eight. There's six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. The Lone Bowl game wow. today, but and th- this game, by the way, too is uh, it's the Myrtle Beach Bowl. It's uh, where uh, Coastal Carolina plays in Conway at Brook Stadium on that uh, yeah, te- not, teal turf. Not far from the beach at all. That's right. Uh, if you look, if you Google Earth, that it's it's not far at all. Yeah, so about fifteen miles. It's, it's hard to believe that these bowl games have already started, um, especially after having the championship weekend like we had with all the conference championship games. But, uh, wow, it's exciting. A lot of breaking news today, too, in the world of college football, and I'm sure we'll get into that here shortly as well. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned the uh, conference championship games. You heard one of those right here on WKOM, the home of the Crimson Tide Sports Radio Network, as Alabama – Uh, took care of business. It was a thriller, though. A lot of offense and a lot of fun to watch last uh, Saturday night as Alabama took down Florida. Here's how it sounded on the Crimson Tide Sports Radio Network. Live from Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, this is the SEC Championship game. Najee goes streaking out to the left side. Quarterback Jones looks wide open. There you go. Touchdown, Alabama. Wide open to Devontae Smith. Near side, Bolden in motion far side Mac comes to the near side makes the grab Najee spins away from the defense and he is in for the touchdown Gordon Battle and Daniel Wright are playing deepest of deep so is Job quarterback back at the five steps up gets drilled yes sir he gets mashed and that is going to be the ball game six five four three they can't snap it they can't stop it The Alabama Crimson Tide, the 2020 SEC champions. Yes, Roll they are. Tide. Roll Tide, indeed. Uh, Clayton, you had to be happy uh, Saturday night uh, with that game. Florida, though, they showed up in that second half, didn't they? They did, and it just goes to show you Alabama, their first two possessions of the second half didn't score, and Florida did, and it allowed them to get back in the ball game. But, uh, you know, I think, and Coach Saban mentioned this after the game, I think that is something that they needed. They needed to be in a dogfight. And I tell you, it just, if you could go back to 2009, uh, which was Nick Saban's first national championship team at Alabama, and you look at the offense then compared to now, and Jim McElwain was actually the offense coordinator back then. You look at the style of play, though, of Alabama back then. I can remember being at at the game where they beat Tennessee 12 to 10. And uh, which was famously called Rocky Block, 
Uh, <laughs> you just look at how they played the game back then compared to now. It's incredible. Uh, it, it's just this offense is better, believe it or not, than the offense that we had under uh, Tua Tonga Valoa. So uh, it's uh, it's a testament to Saban's ability to evolve and to uh, you know be able to be wise enough to, to change with the times. And I think it's also, uh, you know, it says something about Steve Sarkeesian and what he's been able to do uh, as the offensive coordinator there, a guy that was a former head coach at Washington and USC, spent a couple of years uh, at the Atlanta Falcons uh, and then came back to Alabama. And, man, it, it's just uh, – it's been a really, really good situation uh, having Sarkeesian with Saban. And I think there's some news coming out today – you know, there was talk that he was going to interview with Auburn. That did not happen. Uh, but what mm. did happen is that uh, the school and Sarkeesian are now renegotiating his contract. So uh, a lot of speculation there as to uh, what his pay will be. Him and Kevin Steele are the two highest paid assistant coaches in college football. I would expect to see Sark's number to go up a little more. And uh, there's also the talk out there about the possibility of him being the coach in waiting. So, We'll see what happens. Oh, the proverbial coach and wait. I was going to ask him, glad you mentioned that, as uh, Wes Duncan joins us uh, on the show. Uh, how much credit does Sark deserve for this particular offense? Well, let, let me just build off of that for just a second. First of all, I think you got to give credit to Nick Saban uh, because Nick Saban has evolved with the times where uh, he could have been stuck in his ways, but he he did exactly what was best for the team and for his program uh, to to bring in somebody like Sark who could implement the run style game but be very innovative in the passing game as well. Um, so, and yes, Sark Sark is a brilliant offensive mind. I've had the privilege of sitting down with him a bunch. Uh, the guy is light years ahead of everybody, and it just goes to show. When you gotta have, when you got a good, good coach like Sarkeesian, and you put him with unbelievable talent like Alabama has, it can flourish. Yeah, Clayton. Um, you know, Sark. He was. He would have. You mentioned the head coach in waiting. He was going to be the interim coach um, the two times that Nick Saban. Um, had the COVID issues. One obviously was a false positive, had some negative tests. He was able to coach. Uh, the other, um, Sark was going to be the interim coach on the sideline. So, uh, perhaps that is the case. Uh, do you like that as a, as an Alabama guy of uh, Sark? Do you think he's, uh, able to continue this brand? Well, I, I think it's early to, to, to say whether or not Saban's going to retire anytime soon. I personally don't think it's going to be it, – it's going to be a while. Uh, he was asked about it Friday uh, as they got to Atlanta uh, in his press conference with the media before uh, they went out for their walkthrough at, at, at the Georgia Dome. And, you know, it, he, he basically said until he feels like that he is no longer benefiting the university or he's kind of a hindrance or in the way – uh, he's not going anywhere. And we all remember how stir-crazy he was during that uh, Auburn game when he wasn't able to be there, when he was uh, missing several days of practice, having to zoom in and uh, conduct practice virtually. So 
you know, he's a healthy 69 year old. He, he made a comment uh, a couple of years back that, you know, his mother in 85 hit a hole in one playing golf. Oh, wow. He said, you know, if I'm able to, if I, if I'm able to play golf at 85, I'll be coaching football. So I think that kind of tells you where he's at. Uh, but you know, again, if that's what it takes to keep Sarkeesian, I'm all for it because, uh, you know, he, he's done a wonderful job as Wes was saying, uh, with, with the talent that's there. And, um, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting though, to see where some of these other teams are going to go because he was on the top of a lot of people's list. And JP, let me say this too about, uh, Saban. He stays in really, really good shape. Uh, he plays basketball every day with the assistance and he's really competitive. You've seen that on the 60 minutes episode, but also Clayton alluded to it. You know, that's a sign of a really, really great coach who's comfortable in their own skin to be able to bring in people like Sarkeesian and all these guys that are on staff to let them do what they need to do. And like, I mean, uh, yeah, yes, you have your own stamp on the program. I mean, it's always going to be savings. Let's no, let's no, uh, make no mistakes about that. But right now, all he's really having to do, to be honest with you, is make sure that his culture is in place every day and knowing what the kids need to be mentally focused for any situation that comes their way. And then he can let the guy, other guys do the X's and O's part of it. Yeah, it's a good situation, um, and you know, it's you're almost hesitant to say he's just a manager, but he kind of is. But he's created this culture and this environment, and uh, certainly has earned. But I, I get the sense, though, uh, that he is still hands on when when he needs to be. Well, I would say that he is hands on on the defensive side, uh, and you know, being at practice and Clayton's went to practice a couple times. Satan, uh, Satan. <laughs> There's a Freudian slip. Tell, yeah. Calm, calm, calm down. You sound like a Tennessee. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Saban never crosses. If you ever get the privilege of going to practice, he never crosses the 50-yard line and never watches the offense during practice. Saban's always coaching the defense. He personally coaches the defensive backs, and he's always, you know, helping out Golden and all those guys on defense. So – to be able to to be comfortable enough to let Sark and his offensive staff handle the play calling duties and all that stuff just goes to show you what kind of great head coach he is. Yeah, and, and it's something that he's built uh, certainly over time. Uh, Alabama, of course, the one seed heading into the playoffs. No surprise there. Clemson, the two after their win over Notre Dame. And uh, the three and the four, uh, some potential questions, but – it is uh, indeed the big names, Ohio State number three and Notre Dame number four. Before we get into – I tell you what, we'll, we'll do that right now. We'll, we'll talk Tennessee in our next segment uh, and then get into the bowl games. Uh, the reaction, uh, are these the four teams that should be in the playoff? Clayton, your thoughts first. No, not at all. Um Notre Dame, year after year, every time they get in the playoffs, they get blown out. Uh, people can say what they want to. Uh, it's not 1930. It's not It's not 1940, and it's not 1950 again. Uh, we've seen Notre Dame be good over the years, no doubt. Lou Holtz, uh, you know, in the late 80s or early 90s, got a national title up there. Uh, but, you know, questionable 
thing surrounded uh, that national title, as did a lot of places where Lou Holtz, Holtz went, considering that usually after Lou left, uh, they were uh, put on NCAA probation. Uh, <clears throat> but since then, uh, they just haven't been competitive. And I think anybody that watched the game on Saturday has to imagine that, you know what? Uh, if Trevor Lawrence had played up in South Bend, they easily won that game. Notre Dame's team speed just isn't there, uh, and they'll get beat by 30 points uh, come Rose Bowl January 1st. It, it, it won't even be a ball game. I'm, I'm afraid you're right. Um, the question then, who should be in that four spot? Texas A&M all day. I mean – they went undefeated other than the one lost to Alabama. They, they won out the rest of their conference games in the SEC. And uh, <clears throat> the SEC is the best conference in college football. And uh, anybody that doesn't believe that needs to have their, their head examined because from top to bottom, there is not a better conference uh, across America. Same close. And in the Ohio State conversation, six wins. They did win the Big Ten championship, although the conference had to change – uh, their own rules from earlier this year to allow them to play. Uh, I don't know if they struggled, but it was a tight game. Had a huge performance from uh, the running back Sermon, 331 yards, which was uh, phenomenal. Uh, but they win 22-10 to 10 over Northwestern, and they move to the three seed where they will be taking on Clemson. Should they be in there with only six games played? Well, I mean, just imagine this. Imagine if Alabama was 6-0. and and Ohio State was 11-0. What do you think Ohio State and the media with ESPN, what they would be saying? They would be saying Alabama doesn't deserve to be in. They don't have a – especially guys like David Pollock who said that Alabama was finished after Jalen Waddell got hurt, who has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. Uh, imagine what those guys would be saying if that was Alabama at 6-0. and uh and you know that the, the, they they would they would be crucifying them. They would be saying there's no way they should be in the college football playoffs. So you know it doesn't really matter because the fix was in. They changed the rules. They've always gotten the benefit of the doubt from uh, the NCAA and ESPN and all the big media members. They they put them in there because of ratings. Yes, they're a good team, uh, but they're not going to beat Clemson. I honestly don't think they're going to beat Clemson. Uh, so, um, you know, but to me, the biggest uh, injustice in the whole thing was Texas A&M being left out. Uh, you know, it wasn't their fault that the team that beat them is in the same division as them, so they didn't have that opportunity at, at a rematch like Clemson did with Notre Dame. Uh, but, again, I go back to the fact that they beat a good Florida team and they went undefeat. They, they they won all their games other than the Alabama game uh, in the Southeastern Conference. And and to me, that carries a lot of weight. The best thing they there's two things they they ought to do: either go back to the BCS where humans aren't involved in this whole process, or you just add it to eight teams. To me, that would be the best way to go. But my fear is there is they're going to say, well, let's take conference champions, and that really wouldn't be the the best way to do it either. I mean, imagine if Florida had upset Alabama, would that just automatically knock Alabama out? Uh, it wouldn't have this year, but if you just take your conference champions, it very well could have. And, uh, again, it just it needs to be the, the best eight teams. And if they expand the playoffs, that, that's, you know, that, to me that would be the best way to do it. 
Okay, I, I need to say this because I heard this argument when the, the, they came out with the pairings yesterday. I, I really think it's unfortunate that we have commentators that get on there and try to justify the downplay of the SEC schedule. You know, uh, Clayton alluded to this, and, and you know, Texas A&M got ripped off. Let's just be honest. They did. You can't sit there and say, well, they didn't have a quality opponent and their one loss is to Alabama. And they say, well, their next quality opponent was Florida. Well, I'm sorry, but if anybody watched the SEC championship, Florida's a dadgum good football team. And, you know, and for them to show the ability to come back and make that game super competitive, uh, I mean, and they tried to say, well, look at the, look at the way that, uh, you know, Notre Dame beat North Carolina. North Carolina couldn't beat Missouri if they played in the SEC. Uh, I mean, so all those guys on ESPN, I mean, we're more qualified to be analysts than some of those guys. I'm telling you right now, you look at Ohio State and how terrible Justin Fields has played in several games this year. He had a bad game Saturday. Bad game. If, if, he, if he does that in the SEC against Ole Miss or Florida or, uh, you know, Georgia – or uh, yeah, maybe even Auburn, they're going to get beat. There's it, no doubt about it. They're gonna, or Kentucky even. He plays like that against teams like that. They're going to get beat. Uh, so, again, I, it, there's a reason why they, they won't ever go to an 8 or 16-team playoff because if they did that and they took the best 8 or the best 16, you're going to have an SEC final championship year in, year out, and they're not going to like it because they're not going to get a piece of that money at the end of the day. That's true. Well, we never thought that good for though, too. Um, you know, the thing that, uh, I'm a, unfortunately probably sealed Texas A&M's fate was LSU. If Florida had beaten LSU and only had two losses to A&M and Alabama, I think A&M might have had a shot to get in over Notre Dame, but with that LSU defeat over Florida, I think that sealed A&M's fate because that dropped the strength of, uh, of schedule, I guess, if you will, uh, for that Florida game that they won. Um, and uh, especially the timing of it when it happened. Although you could make the argument that that did not affect Notre Dame. Well, I, I, I think I, – I don't think it would have mattered for the simple fact that what, which game is going to give you higher ratings, Alabama, A&M, a rematch – or Alabama Notre Dame. Yeah, I think if A and M is in, you have to move them to three, don't you? And leave Ohio State at four, right? I don't know. I don't. I don't know about leaving. I don't know. That would be. You would think they would do that. You would think they would put them in at, uh, to prevent the rematch, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's what they would. Regardless, they, they went for the ratings because they showed a video of the 13 people in the committee this weekend at a. They were like in a big ballroom at, at, a, at a resort somewhere watching mm-hmm. all these games. They're doing it for the ratings. More money, the better they get taken care of next year when they get to go for a weekend and watch football. I mean, think about what they get to do. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, it's about the dollars. And an Alabama-Notre Dame semifinal is going to draw more people than an Alabama-Texas A&M final. Or, or semifinal, there, there's no doubt about it. And at the end of the day, it's going to be Alabama and Clemson round four or five, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, 
And Clemson has the athletes to, you know, they, they've built their, Dabo's built their program to assimilate Bama style. I mean, they do. Now, they do some things different, but they've got a big offensive line. Their skill players are unbelievable. They're fast on defense. I mean, it was like you cloned these two guys. And, and I think that's the, the part uh, of this that makes it so intriguing. Everybody wants to see them two play. They do. Uh, but I'll be honest with you. I, I mean, as bad as Notre Dame looked, I don't see them laying that big of an egg again. Um, I think they try to make it competitive, you know. Um, I don't think the Clemson-Ohio State game is going to be competitive at all. I, I don't I don't think either semifinal game is going to be really competitive either. All right, um, that's what we've got. Uh, ratings, uh, you know. Across the country, I guess, should be good. You've got four top-tier brands uh, for recent um, years as well. So we'll talk a little Tennessee football news today. They are out of the Liberty Bowl due to COVID. It's rough, uh, rough hoeing up on uh, Rocky Top. We'll talk about it when we return. TSL presented by Parks Motor Sales. CSL presented by, by Parks, Parks Motor, Motor Sales. Sales. So, so glad, glad you're, you're with, us with us on this uh, Monday evening as uh, reacting to the college football playoff, college football in general. We've got the bowl schedule out. We'll get into that coming up in just a little bit. But we talked to Alabama. Hey, hey. Yep. Hey, JP, can I pull West Duncan here? Oh, you got some breaking news? Well, we got some breaking news. All right, hit me. Hit me. Pull pull a Wes. All right, we got two. All right, we got number one, we got Bo Pelini out at LSU. Guaranteed $7 million, so he's getting paid. But Bo is gone after one year back with the Tigers. And uh, interesting news on the planes. Uh, I, I had a source who uh, texted me earlier, and then I also spoke, spoke to an Auburn booster earlier. And it appears that UAB coach Bill Clark is going to get that head football job. Wow. Which is deserving. I'm going to be honest with you. It's very deserving because he's done a phenomenal job with UAB in the sense that they were trying to do away with the football program two years ago, fellas. They did. Uh, They They actually did. They actually did. They They tried and succeeded. (laughs) And he revived it. And I'm telling you, he's done an outstanding job. You know, Bill Clark's the guy that came from from the high school ranks. He, he's he's from uh, Anniston, Alabama. He uh, was the head coach at Prattville High School from 1999 to 2007. And in 2008, he accepted the defensive uh, coordinator position in South Alabama before accepting the Jacksonville State head coaching job in 2013. Uh, and then ended up going uh, to UAB afterwards. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, 
was able to revive that program. They, they did not play in 2015 or 16. He brought them back in 17, 18, 19, and this year uh, and has done a heck of a job taking uh, UAB to four consecutive bowl games. He's got a 51 and 26 record overall at UAB. I'll tell you what's impressive also. When he was at Prattville, they won back-to-back state titles in 2006 and 7, and he compiled a 106 and 11 record. Uh, just an incredible record down at Prattville High School. So, uh, you know, he's 50, I believe he's uh, 52 years old, uh, and uh, he, he's familiar with the state of Alabama, which is important when it comes to recruiting. And uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, but, but a very interesting hire. There was a lot of talk that Billy Napier uh, from University of Louisiana was offered the job and then turned it down this morning. Wow. Uh Steve, Steve, Sar- Steve Sarkeesian was set to interview today. He declined to interview. And this evening, uh, it sounds like Bill Clark is going to be the guy. Interesting. Why do you think the hesitation from those coaches to decline either to accept or to interview? Nick Saban. <laughs> Well, I mean, and, I mean, and, ser- ser- seriously, why would you want to go yeah. ahead and save him? I mean, well, I, let me say this: he's been down that road, JP. He left earlier, went to back to the uh, the NFL ranks. We're talking about uh, Sark here now. Yeah, I'm talking about Sark. I mean, I, and and me and Clayton had talked about this prior to this. Why would you want to leave right now? You you've got everything going. You've built it back up because when he left and went to the Falcons, it was not good. I mean, it wasn't good. And then he comes back and boom, it's like he never left. They, I mean, like Clayton has already mentioned in the broadcast, their offense this year is better than what it was when Tua was there, which I and mean, they had Jerry Judy and Henry yeah. Ruggs too. I mean, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah, and and here's the funny thing about it. You know, how many of us? I mean, we knew Mac Jones was going to be all right. He was. We thought he was a game manager, but look at the look at the offense under Mac Jones. I mean, this guy just goes about his business. He throws unbelievable. I mean, he's got a cannon for an arm, and he may throw the deep ball better than anybody in college football. I tell you what else is crazy. Uh, Vegas odds right now for the Heisman. There's, there's four that they show because obviously there's always four finalists. But going based on Vegas and their odds, the top three are all from Alabama, and your fourth spot is held by the quarterback at Clemson. That's incredible. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is number four. But think about that. That's that's that is incredible and unheard of. I think uh, they they showed a stat in uh, the championship game. I think it was. Uh... Uh, Saturday night because of the way Najee Harris, I think, played his way into that conversation at this point. Uh, Devontae Smith and Mac Jones were already there, but uh, the last time I think that this happened where three finalists were from the same team was Ohio State in the uh, 70s, the year before uh, Archie Griffin won because he was one of the finalists and did not win. Um, a Penn State player won the Heisman Trophy that year. There was an offensive lineman. There was uh, Archie Griffin and I think a defensive back as well. Uh, so uh, this doesn't happen very often. 
Now, in that year, the votes, uh, you know, they split between the, the Buckeyes allowing the Penn State player to win. But based on what you're saying, Clayton, the odds now, uh, the top three are the three Alabama players. So you could pick in any one of those and you think is uh, is going to win the Heisman. You think it will be an Alabama player? I think so. Our friend Drake Colley just sent me over the odds and currently Devontae Smith is at minus 200. Uh, Mac Jones is at plus 125. Najee Harris is in third at plus 650. And Trevor Lawrence at plus 2,000. I tell you, you just mentioned how player was able to kind of, you know, squeeze his way through because they split all the different bushmen. I would say that may not be a bad bet right there on Trevor Lawrence at plus 2,000. I mean, my goodness. But it looks like it's going to be uh, between Devontae Smith and Mac Jones at this point. And if Devontae Smith was to win it, he would be the first receiver to win the Heisman Trophy since uh, Desmond, Howard. Uh, Desmond Howard over 30 years ago. That, that's just unbelievable. Well, if we're talking about this award goes for the best college football player, um, I think you have to look at those three. And, and of course, Kyle Trask, you know, has put up ungodly numbers as well. I think the game against Alabama, you know, the first half hurt him a little bit. But, he, I mean, if you look at the numbers of what he did and, you know, total, I mean, the SEC championship record was – broken by Mac Jones, uh, and then right behind him was Kyle Trask. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, if you got to have four, I think it goes, you know, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask. Those are the four that need to be in New York or where they're going to have it. It'll uh, be virtually done. Yeah, I know it will be, but I'm just saying that's usually where it's taking place. But Right. You know, I, I, I know Dabo. He's got to support his guy, and he's got to put it out there. But the numbers that Mac Jones and Devontae Smith have put up are un – you know, I hate to use the phrase they may never be matched because we know it will happen because we were saying that with Tua. But Devontae Smith, oh, my goodness. I mean, he is unreal – what he's done this year in college football. He well, he has crushed the SEC receiving touchdown record. I mean, he has absolutely crushed it. And that may be a record that is never broken because prior to him, I believe it was the uh, uh the guy that played at Florida, Dorning. Uh, Dorn. Dorn. Yeah. Dorn. Dorn, yep. Chris Dorning and then uh Amari Cooper, I think, was somewhere up there as well. Uh but that that won't ever be touched. Uh it, 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 that 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 record to me is one of the most impressive, and the fact that you know again the supporting cast that's around him. Of course, John Mitchie's good. Uh, what a what a hit he had the other day, by the way, after that yeah. interception. Uh, but for him to be able to go out there and do this with 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 teams uh, trying to double him or putting the safety over the top, I mean, it, it's just it speaks to the kind of athlete, but also you got to give credit to Mac Jones. So it kind of goes to that argument that, you know, both, I think it comes down to both of those guys. Yeah, no but you also got to, uh, I'm sorry. You Go got to gotta give Najee Harris credit too, because with him being able to run the ball effectively only opens up the passing game and vice versa. The passing game allowed, they were so worried about Devonte Smith and Mac Jones the other night. Najee Harris scores five, you know, over five touchdowns, which is unreal in SEC championship games. 
and three of those were were receiving touchdowns, which is you know a lot for a running back in a game. So I, I don't disagree. Impressive it, touchdowns you know. too. Uh, those those receiving some great individual moves by Najee oh, Harris sure, for sure. For sure. Um, before we get to break, I do want to touch on uh, Tennessee and the news today that they are going to be out of the Liberty Bowl. Uh, they were set to play West Virginia. Statement from Tennessee head football coach Jeremy Pruitt today, quote, earlier today I was informed by our medical staff that I have tested positive for COVID-19 and I immediately began isolating at home. I am experiencing mild symptoms but doing fine. We are obviously disappointed that we will not be able to play in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, but the health and safety of our student-athletes will always remain our top priority. I am especially proud of our team and medical staff and safety navigating, excuse me, and safely navigating through a unique season where we played all 10 of our regular season games. So Tennessee out in the Liberty Bowl. Um, I have not heard who would be there or will be their replacement. Um, of Should course, be Army. Um, Should be Army. Yeah, okay. Sure. And, of course, this news coming after Saturday's news of a potential – uh, investigation. It may turn out to be routine. It may be nothing. It could be something. Uh, I do think it's a bit ironic, or I don't believe it's a coincidence that it came out when it did with all this pressure to now fire uh, Jeremy Pruitt, as was painted on the rock up at Rocky Top. I mean, let, let's be honest. I had somebody message me earlier, and they said, out because of COVID. Translation, we've been cheating. Hey, look, there is no doubt in my mind that Philip Fulmer accepted that bowl bid yesterday against the wishes of the administration. There's no doubt about it because he's tied to Pruitt. And it's uh, when, you, when you hear a lot, of, uh, a lot of the talk up there on the Hill, it appears that the administration is after this guy. They want him out. They don't want to have to pay him the buyout that, that uh, it would cost the university. And they're willing to do whatever it takes to get out of that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure it's in his contract that if, if there is any, I mean, they said the compliance people went into his office and took his hard drive. Wow. That's not, that's not good. Uh, and that's, that doesn't sound routine. No, 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 it it is not. And you know that you ain't going to set two coaches out of a game and your star running back out of a game. If something's not up, you know what I'm saying? Eric Gray, the sources are saying that Eric Gray is the one is one of the players uh, that has received improper benefits. So uh, th- this is this is going to be interesting to see how all this how all this happens. Um, I mean, there was Tennessee fans when they first announced they were going to the Liberty Bowl that were on social media saying, "Please let Army take our place. They deserve to be there a heck of a lot more than we do." Uh, but, you know, they say Randy Boyd, uh, who came in to save the day uh, to keep the basketball coach up there from going to UCLA, uh, you know, Fulmer wasn't going to pay Rick Barnes what it was going to take to keep him. And Randy Boyd, you know, famous, uh, you know, guy from East Tennessee who uh, ran for governor uh, back in, uh, against Bill Lee in the primary, he's now up there. I believe, I don't know if he's the chancellor or he's, He's involved with the school heavily. Uh, he's the one that had to save the day on that, and, and apparently he's the one behind the scenes along, I'm sure, with the Haslam's and others to try to make this thing happen where they can start over. And credit to them. Credit to the university for seeing that 
you know, mediocrity isn't going to be accepted. We're not going to sit around for three, four, five years and just let a coach run the program into the ground uh, year after year after year. And uh, 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 you got to give a lot of credit to those guys for at least trying to make it happen. And uh, I'm sure the you know a lot of Tennessee fans I've talked to, I have not talked. I'll put it to you this way: I haven't talked to a single Tennessee fan that says I really think we ought to keep Pruitt for another year. They're all done. They're, they're done. I think the team quit on him. I think it was pretty evident at points of the year where the team had just checked out. Uh, and you got to get, you know, when it comes to that, you got to make a move. And that's what they're doing. Well, and also, too, we saw it going downhill when uh, you fire your defensive line coach in the middle of a game. You yeah. take over that responsibility and the defense doesn't get any better. And then you keep allowing, you know, the offensive struggles that they had. You know, the other big news was, I mean, if there was only any good news for Tennessee fans yesterday, is Garantano's in, entered the transfer portal. So the Tennessee fans won't have to be worried about him anymore. But uh, I just I just go back to if you, if you didn't do anything wrong, uh, and I understand, you know, there's compliance and things like that, but your right-hand man, which you made your defensive coordinator, Derek Ainsley, who came with him from Alabama, uh, you don't sideline him if there's nothing going on. Well, and you, you brought up the fact that he fired the defensive line coach in the middle of the season. You know, I I don't have as much of a problem with that. It's, if I would, is if, say, he fired his offensive coordinator with a winning record in the middle of the season. that, that I would have a huge problem with that because that would just be dumb. But, you know – uh, he had, you know, it's his team, it's his coaches, and he gets to choose what he wants to do with it. And, and they were getting blown out by a, you know, a, a so-so Kentucky team. That is true. That they did. Um, well, we'll 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 wait and see what happens here. It it does appear though, Clayton. Uh, I, I think you're on to something there. That you know, there is a case building for a firing with calls uh, coming. For Jeremy Pruitt, uh, and that's always a, tr- uh, a slippery slope. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, we saw what Auburn did. You know, if you got the boosters that the money, it, it, it almost doesn't matter. But I, I guess the the big question, and certainly can be a conversation for a, another day, though. If if Pruitt goes, does that mean Fulmer has to go? Absolutely, absolutely. He's got. You're not going to let that guy make another hire. There's no way. I would I would agree in that sense because he he was respon- solely responsible for this hire. Uh, let's face it, they were they they already had the plane in route to go Mike Leach, um, and you know they pulled the plug on that, and here we are three years later with an investigation. So you know you hate to use the term eat crow, but that's what it is. <laughs> Oh, and here's the thing. Hugh Freeze wants the job. And Tennessee fans want Hugh Freeze. Now, the question is, and, and again, this is all speculation at this point, but the, the, the thought over the weekend was was that this whole internal investigation with the compliance people was meant to stay internal. Somebody went rogue, notified the, the media, and now it's out. The NCAA has been notified. The SEC has been notified. With that being said... With you having NCAA troubles now, you are not going to get Hugh Freeze. 
You're not. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to get uh, Chadwell from Coastal Carolina. It's just not going to happen because of all the baggage that they bring along with them uh, as far as having to deal with the NCAA. So, so then where do you go is the question. Uh, if you're Tennessee and you do get rid of Jeremy Pruitt, um, you know, it, 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 you know Billy Napier, the guy who turned down, and it makes you wonder, the guy that turned down the Auburn job this morning is from Cookville, Tennessee. Not saying that that, you know, I, I know, you know, it's just ge- a, a geographic coincidence, but look out for that name for this job here coming up in, in, in a few weeks, if it does come open, which I think it will. All right. Uh, a lot to uh, to be seen on this uh, front. We'll certainly be following as a Vol Network affiliate, 1037 WKRN. By the way, you got Vol basketball going on right now on our sister station. Coming up, we'll uh, run through the bowl schedule. Final segment, TSL, presented by Parks Motor Sales, returns after this. Welcome back, TSL, presented by Parks Motor Sales. Final segment on this Monday, December the 21st. So glad you're hanging out with us. Bowl schedule is upon us. Actually, had a bowl game today. It may have snuck past some people. This afternoon, Appalachian State all over North Texas in the Myrtle Beach Bowl, 56-28, the final in that one to kick off the bowl season. J.P. Plant, Wes Duncan, Clayton Harris with you as a final few minutes here on the program for this Monday night. We'll run through the bowls, guys. And first of all, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, and by the way, this was played uh, at um, at Coastal Carolina's uh, Teal Field. Any early thoughts on that one? No? I'm sorry. Yeah, I was looking it's... at the star. So. <laughs> the, the, the star of what? It said the star of Bethlehem there, Clayton. Yeah, had, you know. It had to be 100 years, so it's, you know. Well, listening to our listening to our buddy Drake Colley try to pronounce Bethlehem is about like hearing Trump say two Corinthians. I oh, mean, nice. it is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's stuff. hilarious. Uh, but yeah, I just actually sit that side and saw it myself. It's it really, really cool. I'm about to hop really out there cool. myself once we get off the air. All right, guys. So real quickly, we'll just run through these. Coming up tomorrow, uh, it is the Albertsons. Uh, excuse me. It is the famous Idaho Potato Bowl at Albertson Stadium in Boise, Idaho, Tulane. Taking on Nevada, Tulane, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Any interest there? Will you watch? None. 2.30 tomorrow on ESPN. All right, 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. It is the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. BYU making the track across country. They are six-and-a-half-point favorite over UCF from uh, Boca Raton. I like the Cougars. BYU have beat the brakes off them. Yep. Long way to travel for that bowl game. Uh, coming up on Wednesday at 2 o'clock on ESPN, it is the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl uh, from uh, the Mercedes Benz Dome in Nolens. And it is Louisiana Tech and Georgia Southern. That could be an interesting game. Georgia Southern, a five and a half point favorite. I like Georgia Southern. They've had a good year. They've, they've always. Had a successful program. I, I, I like Georgia Southern in that game. I like Law Tech. I've got a buddy that coaches at Law Tech, so I'm going to 
stay with the Bulldogs. All right, go with the underdog. Uh, coming up on uh, Wednesday evening at 6 on ESPN, it is the Montgomery Bowl, uh, and that is Memphis. Take it on Florida Atlantic. The Tigers are uh, eight-point favorites in this one. I like Memphis. I think they uh, they finished the year off with the win. Uh, but as far as the interest in the game, don't know how much interest there will be in that, that particular ballgame. It's on a Wednesday at 6. Go Tigers. What else are you doing Wednesday at 6? Not much. You watching football. Yeah. Thursday. Um, I, I'll, I'll be I'll be putting toys together. Is what I'll there you be. go. Uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, speaking of toys, two thirty on Christmas Eve. It is the New Mexico Bowl. It is Hawaii. Take it on Houston. Um, and this will be on ESPN at two thirty Thursday afternoon. I like Houston in a blowout. Yeah, they're thirteen point favorites in that one. Um, I take yeah. it Wes's silences. He doesn't care on that one, which I don't blame you. Uh, it's Christmas Eve. Christmas Day. By the way, we have a Christmas Day game. Uh, oh it is goodness. the Camilla Bowl, Marshall and Buffalo. And um, this is at 1.30 Friday afternoon. Go Marshall. I mean, how many games is Montgomery hosting they have two, this year? Good they have gosh, two bowl I mean, games. They, yep. Yeah, but, uh, one on Wednesday, one on Friday. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I really don't care about that one either. <laughs> it's Christmas Day. It gives you something to watch. If, uh, if you don't want to watch NBA basketball, although there's an NFL game, too. Here's a good one on Saturday, uh, the day after Christmas, 11 a.m. Central on ESPN. It is the FBC Mortgage Cure Bowl from Orlando, Florida. Liberty, Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina, six-and-a-half-point favorite. Coastal Carolina. I like the fighting Hugh Freezes. I, I think... Um... I think it'll be a big game. Who knows? Could be his last game there. That's true. Uh, this is the game, the matchup that we did not get to see when game day was at Coastal Carolina taking on BYU. It's supposed to be Liberty. Uh, also on 11 a.m. Saturday from uh, Tampa, Florida, the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. It is UAB taking on South Carolina and the Blazers, a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this one over the Gamecocks. I think there could be some distraction from in that ball game by Bill Clark possibly leaving. Uh, that'll be interesting to see how all that develops with Auburn here over the next few days. Uh, but I don't know. I, you could see South Carolina play well. Uh, I know that Shane Beamer is there. I don't think he'll be coaching, but uh, the tape doesn't lie, and a lot of guys that are going to be coming back next year are going to want to perform well, uh, knowing that they're going to be evaluated by their new head coach. So uh, I like the Gamecocks in that game. All right. Uh, that one on ABC, by the way, also on ABC following that. Uh, Louisiana against UT San Antonio. The Serve Pro First Responder Bowl. How about that? 13-point favorite, by the way, for Louisiana. Oh, man. Who is that Louisiana and UT San Antonio from Dallas. Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah, okay. Uh, 2.30 on ESPN Saturday afternoon. Western Kentucky take it on Georgia State in the Lending Tree Bowl from Mobile, Alabama. 
I like Georgia State. Yeah, they're four and a half yeah, point they, favorites. Yeah. All right. Moving on, Oklahoma State on Tuesday, the 29th, take it on Miami. This is the Cheez It Bowl from Orlando. And the Cowboys, two point favorites against the Hurricanes. Interesting. Who's, who's the favorite? Oklahoma State over Miami. Wow. Well, over who? Miami. Miami. The U. I think uh. Miami has a hard time scoring uh, points, and Oklahoma State does not. But Oklahoma State does not have much of a defense either. So yeah, but I, I uh, that, that'll, that'll be a good game. I think that'll be a really good game. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Miami. Mm. Derek, Derek King. I don't, I don't go against you know. Keeping it in state. All right. Uh, also on Tuesday, the 29th, it is the Valero Alamo Bowl from San Antonio. Texas taking on Colorado and the Longhorns, 13 point favorites in this one. Yeah, I think Texas rolls. I yeah. think um, they, they actually were playing well towards the end of the year. So uh, I think uh, I think they roll into the bowl game and get a big win over Colorado. I think it'll be closer than 13 because I don't think Colorado's that bad. Uh, but I think Texas gets the win. All right. I agree. Okay. Uh, moving on, Wednesday, the 30th, Wake Forest, Wisconsin, the Dukes Mayo Bowl. This is in Charlotte, the Bank of America Stadium. Uh, let's take it over from, uh, I forget what the uh, title sponsor, but I like it, the Dukes Mayo Bowl. Wake Forest, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, by the way, six-and-a-half-point favorite. I actually like... Wake Forest, because I don't know if Wisconsin can even score six and a half points. Yeah, they have scored a lot lately. They have not been very good offensively. Yeah. Wes, you like the name of that bowl? Huh? Say the name one more time. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Uh, uh, yeah, that, I, I've seen that commercial. It creeps me out. <laughs> their, their mayonnaise is ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, that is Wednesday the 30th. That's uh, 11 o'clock uh, kickoff on ESPN. Following that one at 3 from Nissan Stadium in Nashville. It's Iowa and Missouri. Iowa, a 15-point favorite. Wow. Uh, you know, Iowa's good. Missouri has played better, although that last game against uh, Mississippi State was just – I couldn't believe it, to be honest with you. 29-point loss. I like Iowa. Wes? I like Iowa. I, I wouldn't go against Iowa in a bowl game. All right. 15 points. That's fair. There's like 9,000 bowls. So I know. I'm, at, I'm just getting yeah, your early thoughts. Bowls. Just getting your early thoughts on on these. Um, here's a good one. Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. It'll be uh, Florida and Oklahoma from AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Florida. An early three-point favorite in this one. Do they want to show up and play is the question. Uh, yeah, Pitts is not showing up and playing. The wide, the tight end wide receiver. Then give me Oklahoma because I'm telling you right now, and I'm, I meant to mention this earlier, Alabama struggled because they're not going to see two guys like Tony and Pitts the rest of the way. Those guys are pros. Oh, yeah. Pitts is going to be a top ten pick. I'm telling you. He can play either wide receiver or tight end. He is, he's the real deal. Right. He's 6'6". Six, six. He's a monster. He's a matchup problem. Uh, but, you know, Florida comes down, you know, Oklahoma's going to win that one. All right, guys, I'll just real quickly, we'll have plenty of time as we move forward through the bowl season. We're up to New Year's Eve on these. I'll just read through these. Tulsa, Mississippi State in the Armed Forces Bowl from Fort Worth. 
Ball State, San Jose State from Tucson, Arizona in the Arizona Bowl. West Virginia awaiting their opponent now with Tennessee out for the Liberty Bowl um, in Memphis. And Arkansas TCU, uh, the Texas Bowl. And then to uh, New Year's Day, Georgia, Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl. It is Auburn Northwestern in the VRBO or the Verbo Citrus Bowl. It is Notre Dame, Alabama on New Year's afternoon, uh, which is the Rose Bowl game presented by Capital One. Although that has been moved to Arlington, Texas at AT AT&T Stadium due to the COVID restrictions in California. And that night, the other semifinal, the Sugar Bowl, from New Orleans, Clemson, and Ohio State. And then on to January 2nd, you got the Gator Bowl, Kentucky, NC State, Outback Bowl, Ole Miss, and Indiana. You've got uh, the Fiesta Bowl, Oregon, Iowa State. And uh, I think this is going to be a good one, the, the Orange Bowl, Texas A&M and North Carolina. I think that one in the Florida, Oklahoma, may be the, the best two non-playoff bowls of this of the uh, of the season, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I think Texas A and M will probably go out there and and play a very good game. Uh, feeling like they got jipped out of the playoffs, so I really wouldn't want to be North Carolina. I know they're much better, much improved under Mac Brown, uh, but they're from the ACC and they hadn't really played anybody other than Clemson or Notre Dame. So that, that's about it. So. Mm-hmm. I like Texas A&M in that game. Yeah, they're seven-point favorite over under 68.5 points in that one. That should be fun. That is uh, on January the 2nd that night. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. We appreciate uh, Wes and Clayton. I'm J.P. Plant reminding you, radio still loves you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Uh, We'll do it again tomorrow, 5 o'clock. Have a great Monday evening, everyone. Take care of one another. Go see the stars. There you go.